grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Fifty dead in the, between the two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. Eleven lost their lives in a synagogue in Pittsburgh. If we want to go a little bit farther back, was it 2,996 just in the initial attacks on September 11th? 18 with uh, the tornadoes or whatever you want to call them that, that just ripped through Alabama just a, a week or two ago. Um, over 1,800 killed in Hurricane Katrina. Why do these things happen? What was God thinking in allowing them to happen? Our hearts, for better or worse, want answers. And oftentimes we want specific answers. Why exactly these people? Why exactly at this time? And part of it, you know, is just, you know, we want to know. Were those people better or worse? Or was there something about them? And finally, in the basis of motives, we simply want to make sure that if anything led to that, we want to stay far away from it so it doesn't happen to us. It's kind of a survival process in our brain. Jesus gives us an answer today. Um, and in this answer, he, he levels with us. And it's not always something we want to hear, but, but he says it because he loves us and he cares about us. He says, repent or perish. God cares for you. Luke chapter 13, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Just two awful things that were no doubt recent, maybe one just happened, and they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what about this? What about these Galilee? I mean, Pilate Pontius just seems to be an awful person, right? Um, was this what Roman rule was like, that you'd march into a place of worship, whether it was the temple in Jerusalem or some other temple they were in, um, and you slaughter someone while they're in the act of worshiping? That's just awful. Why would God allow that? Why did God, you know, did God send Pilate? You know, people wonder, and, and you have these questions. It's just so awful. Or you look at the other thing they mentioned, kind of a natural disaster, kind of just something that still happens today where you have a, you know, you, you've got the pool of Siloam mentioned in Scripture, and here you have the Tower of Siloam, or those right next to each other, I don't know, were they along that wall? Um, but here's this tower in Jerusalem that for whatever reason, maybe it looked stable, maybe it was 400 years old and they didn't want to, to mess with it, it was kind of a historic landmark, whatever reason, it falls and takes out 18 people in Jerusalem. Why them? Now, our minds, when it happens in modern day, you hear people like to draw direct lines and try to give explanations as to why those people deserve to die. Maybe you've heard some of those things, uh, whether they were natural disasters or they were attacks of some sort, and people, whether in the back of their mind, some even voiced it, 
um, then they wanted to draw direct lines right there. But God says, he says, Jesus says, I tell you, no. Don't do that. You know, because then we're often thinking, well, you know, we didn't die that way, or we didn't have to suffer that way, so we might be doing things right, or we might be right with God on our own. But Jesus says, I tell you, no. Where Scripture has not drawn a direct line for you, don't you draw a direct line. These people suffer this way because of this or that. Now, Mr. Cushel read some pretty lengthy readings this morning. Uh, maybe not the most positive of readings, right? Some pretty brutal stuff. Um, but God, in those, drew direct lines. In the Old Testament people, they often grumbled against Moses, against the prophets that God would send to the people. And finally, God had to set things straight, and he said, these people who are opposing you, Moses, he had the earth swallow them up. He had all those who were offering incense when they shouldn't have been in direct defiance of God's command consumed by fire. And as a reminder, the, the, the censers were, were, the bronze censers were flattened and pinned up around the altars so that God's people would always remember that when they came to offer their sacrifices. Don't do this. If you do this type of thing, this is what you can expect. A great warning, God draws a direct line. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, he says, learn from Israel's history. Don't grumble against the Lord. And he draws a direct line. But for you and me, where God has not, we are not allowed to draw a direct line. In fact, Jesus directs our eyes in another place. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? You know, he poses that question. He wants to get them thinking. You know, what do people think about us? You who come into God's house. I don't think it's a surprise that many people who don't darken the door of this church or many churches sit and look at you and me and they say, yeah, that's nice. They get gussied up and, and prettied up for a couple hours on a Sunday morning, um, but when they go out those doors, they act just like everybody else. They talk just like everybody else. They, they do the things that everybody else does. They steal. Um, they cheat. They, they do all these things. And then when someone in here you or me falls, whether publicly or they see it, they go, aha, see, I told you. And Jesus today, he doesn't say that those people are entirely wrong. Jesus draws the line. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. There's a time to discern and to like take observation, kind of like the book of Proverbs, what the generalities are, what certain things are as we, as we look outside. But here, Jesus says, you need to look in the mirror. If you're looking to draw a direct line, direct consequences, when you see these horrible things happen, look in the mirror and draw a line and see that you are no more righteous or no more awful than those people. You, too, are a sinner. If we would stand in judgment and say, well, they deserved it, God could look at us and say, well, you deserved it. We're sinners, and we need to see the great depth of our sin. And, and truth be told, we will never understand fully the corruption of our hearts this side of eternity. But the parts that we do understand should scare us. 
the sinfulness of our hearts, the, the need, especially you see it bleeding out of society right now, and even our own hearts, the needs to justify ourselves or to, to affirm that every thought of our heart or every desire we have is right and good and no one should tell us otherwise. Um, we find a, a very good audience out in society, but there's a very good audience right in our sinful hearts. And God points the finger, he draws the line, and he says, you, unless you repent, you too will perish. And not just die, but hell. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. That's pretty heavy. And we don't like to hear it. But he says it because he cares for us. Truth be told, repentance is not something we can do on our own. But he says it to us because he's the one who works it in us. Repent. You know, to, to look at our sin and to say whatever it is that the devil is trying to lead us away from Christ, whatever sin he's trying to get us to commit or to think is okay or, or to look lightly on, it's just, it's just one more way the devil is trying to keep us and pull us further and further away from the truth and from our Savior. But just like we did with the kids, there are those signs. Do not enter. Bridge out. Road closed. Don't keep going. And then there's that U-turn sign. He turns us around, and who do we see? We see him. We see Jesus. Not this judge who's at every turn trying to, to pounce on us or send us to hell, but we see the answer. We see his perfect life. Lived, he, God taking on flesh for us. We see as he goes through his suffering, we see that, that God didn't crush him with a, a bunch of stones falling from a tower. Instead, he crushed him with the shame and guilt that you and I have, that we have built up in our lives, that we were born with. And he crushed Jesus. And, and he, didn't, he didn't stab him or slice and dice him with a, a sword, no three small nails pounded into wood through his hands and his feet to hold him as a ready target so that he could unload on him the just wrath and fury against all of our sin and sinfulness. And he placed it on Jesus. Jesus died. He was placed in a tomb. And so much confusion surrounded that. But then Jesus rose from the grave and everything becomes clear because we realize that all that was done not because God hates us too, but because God loves us that much. That what Jesus was doing answered the, the, the great debt that you and I owe. It, it erased every sin and, and shame and guilt that was on our conscience or on our record and it was all taken away once and for all so that God can look at you and say not guilty so that God looks at you and says forgiven my child loved and you have an eternal home in heaven waiting for you Jesus says repent or perish because he wants you to turn around and see him your only Savior, the only way to salvation, and the only way you can be forgiven before a right and holy God. And you are.
He loves us enough to say it. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Jesus further illustrates for those listening and for you and me centuries later the great patience that God has with sinners like you and me, with sinners in this world. Are there any farmers out there? Or at least grew up on a farm? A few of you? Okay, all right. People who have heard of farming? Right, okay, there we go, all right. Um, think about it, if, you, if you're planting an acre of corn and not one of those corn plants, right, corn plants yields a head of corn, do you think the farmer's gonna be happy? You know, maybe a fluke, maybe he got some bad seed, he's making phone calls, he's trying to figure out what happened. You know, maybe next year he doesn't even plant corn. But what if he would try a second year, same thing happened. Try a third year, same thing happened. A fig tree was not only a juicy and wonderful treat uh, to have figs, but it was also a nice part of the diet, and it was good for your health, and um, people would plant them regularly. But when you think about it, if you came to look for fruit on your fig tree that you had planted, and first year you found none, and these have multiple harvests, multiple harvests a year. You can get figs off of them multiple times a year. And you found nothing. Second year you come back, you find nothing. Third year you come back, you find, no you find nothing. That's a really patient vineyard owner. Just like that would be a very patient, almost foolishly paid, patient farmer to let those crops go without any yield. And God, is the farmer just to say, okay, we're planting soybeans? Is the farmer, is the vineyard owner just to say, okay, cut it down, at least use it for firewood, uh, we'll plant something else to use that good soil? He's perfectly just. But yet you see our Savior's love for us in that he intercedes. He says, just wait another year. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. It's a good reminder how God works with us, how patient he is with us and with mankind. That yes, when things happen, if anybody does go to hell, if anybody uh, does die, yes, God is just. No one can say he's not just. We are sinners. We deserve that. But when we see his great mercy poured out on us, when we see people given time to, to repent and turn to him, and, and he can even use us as the conduits through which we give that wonderful word of God, the gospel, in word and sacrament, how patient and loving our God truly is. And it's a good reminder for us as the devil tempts us to turn away to sin or, or to run after the things or, or to make excuses to just stop. Do not enter and make a U-turn and to look again to our Savior Jesus and see that he's there for us. He has not left. He's there with his love, with his forgiveness, with his strength to fight against whatever temptation is ailing us, whatever struggle is ailing us, um, and to answer any doubt we may have with his love and forgiveness. And as we look out to people who don't know, God has given them a time of grace. And with that time, we can share this message, that they have a God who loves them, that we can encourage them, if they haven't been in God's house in a while, encourage them, now is the time. Don't wait anymore. You know, the acts will come. You can use different words than that, but, but the acts will come. The, today is the day. 
Why? Because God cares enough to tell us, repent or perish. God cares for you. Amen.